0: If you're innovating, creating, or making a difference, this show is for you. Welcome to Over Coffee. I'm Doc Cannon. Here on Over Coffee, we talk with artists and innovators about the process of changing the world in terms of what they do.
1: It's a small device, the size of a coffee table, and it swims around and sucks up whatever's in front of it. So it literally, you can put it in the water, set it on its route if it's an autonomous version, and it'll swim around and work its way around to cleaning the
0: area you want it to. A drone that acts like a vacuum to remove pollution from the sea. That's exactly what entrepreneur Richard Hardiman has created. Richard, who is the founder and CEO of Netherlands-based startup Ranmarine Technology, has designed his robot to look like a whale shark and to operate in much the same way. Removing plastic waste is just the beginning and the steps Richard took in making his robot a reality could be applied to bringing just about any creative idea to life. Richard, you have described yourself as an accidental environmentalist. Why do you say that? (laughs)
1: I think when I first got involved in the industry that we're in, I didn't realize how bad the pollution problem of plastic in ocean was. I was trying to solve the problem of trash just going into the ocean, but didn't realize I was trying to find a more efficient way to solve that problem, not realizing how big the problem was out in the the deeper ocean. So I stumbled upon sort of ocean and marine plastic as a problem accidentally. So I I was never an environmentalist in that sense until, until I sort of got into that space.
0: There's a wonderful story behind the Waste Shark, your Aquadrone, and I sure wish you would tell me. How did it come about?
1: I was literally having a cup of coffee in my native city of Cape Town, South Africa. And I was watching two guys in a boat with a net, and they were trying to fish out um, plastic in this basin and this harbor that I was having a coffee in. It was like a waterfront sort of touristy area. And... It just looked ridiculous, to be honest. The wind was blowing, the tide was going, and this trail of plastic was going out through the harbour walls. And as I say, I didn't really understand the problem of the plastic going out into the harbour walls. I thought that was just what happens. But I thought the ridiculousness of them trying to capture this waste with a net was crazy and i on the back of an envelope started to work out how i would do it if i was going to solve this problem and i knew nothing about waste management or drones or anything like that i just kind of my engineering brain said how would you solve that and it was an idea that stuck with me i wouldn't let go until eventually i kind of built a prototype and I thought and tested it out of my swimming pool and i thought you know what that's pretty cool that could do those guys jobs really easily or could they could use this tool to do their job better And, yeah, I found some more people who were were cleverer than I, and the story began from there.
0: You have a wonderful Medium article, because I envisioned you getting this inspiration and going for it right now. But that apparently was not what happened.
1: (laughs) Not at all. It sat with me for ages. It was actually my mother, who was the instigator, who told me to get on with it before someone else does. I spoke about it for two or three years, and I'm thinking, you know, it'd be great if we could just do this, you know, kind of, and she was, like, why aren't you doing it? You know, what is stopping you? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a good question. So she was actually the sort of catalyst to actually making it all happen in here.
0: Yay, mom. That's yeah, great. <laughs> this is such a cool product. It looks like a whale shark, and it acts like a vacuum cleaner. Let's, in our imagination, take the waste shark into the waters here where I'm located. I'm located in Long Beach, California. We put it in the marina. What does it
1: do? So it literally is like a Roomba for water. I think that vacuum cleaner analogy is perfect. That it's a small device the size of a coffee table and it swims around and sucks up whatever's in front of it so it literally you can put it in the water set it on its root if it's an autonomous version and it'll swim around and dodge boats and, and sort of not get in anybody's way but work work its way around to cleaning the area you want it to otherwise you can stand on the side of the key and you can guide it around yourself which is always a cool way of doing it because it invites a lot of conversation but it's literally scooping trash out of the water and that's the exciting part you can see the trash going into the belly of the whale shark you know when it returns to shore you can see how much you've caught and it's just a really simple easy way of doing it
0: i really love that you can actually operate this thing and it's pretty much self-explanatory because i am not technical what am i going to see if i'm operating it from my phone or my tablet
1: yeah so we built it with the complexity and the heavy lifting of the software on our side so My vision, of course, coming from Africa was that, you know, you would have somebody who'd never used drone technology or a controller or any kind of technology. So we needed to make it as simple as possible. A child should be able to use it. And that's how we built it. So if you are controlling it from the key side, you would have a normal RC controller that you maybe would envisage driving a little RC car around a remote control car. That's what you would have in front of you with a screen, so you can see what the shark's. It's got a camera on, so you can see what the shark is seeing, and any trash in front of it. And you would stand there, and you would just guide it around. Oh, there's a few bottles over there. Let me go and collect those. Or there's a whole chunk of um, trash in that corner. Let me run the shark into there and, and scoop that up. And you might have to go around a couple of times, but it, it's quite cathartic. I have to be honest. You know, you're seeing this trail of trash, and, and you're just gobbling it up, much like a Pac-Man would. It's quite fun, to be honest.
0: It does sound like a blast. What do we do? We get the trash in the belly of this drone. What do we do with it? So
1: it comes back to shore. Some of our clients have a lifting system that we also build that brings it up on the quayside. Otherwise, people bring it up onto the shore. And then it's got a basket inside it. You just pull the basket out and all the trash is there. And then depending on who it is, the majority of our clients would then sort out, you know, if you're working in a marina or a harbour, there's probably... um, some biomass, some seaweed and that kind of thing in the mix with the other plastics, you would separate that. And then the majority of that gets recycled or repurposed for another day, one hopes.
0: How many of them have you deployed so far worldwide?
1: About 35 now in the last 24 months or so. So we're getting more and more out there. In fact, January started off really, really well for us, but yeah, we're hoping to have at least 100 in the market by by this year, which will be really exciting for us.
0: That is, which by the way, speaking of exciting, happy anniversary. Isn't January your anniversary for January?
1: Indeed it is. Yes. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yes. <laughs> it is uh, our birthday month. Yeah.
0: You marked your birthday month, did you not, with your first CES. What was that like for you?
1: That was incredible. I mean, that was, uh, not only was it Las Vegas, which is another level of city anyway, but It was amazing to see the amount of technology from all around the world. So it it was incredible. Just countries from, you know, there was South Korea, there was US, there was us from the Netherlands, there was German, Russia, it was was insane. And just to see the amount of technology that's, you can see how it's going to advance our future, a lot of it around sustainability and AI and kind of like making our lives easier robotics. It was an exciting place to be and an exciting time to be around
0: all of that technology. What were some of the new products that you were showing in Eureka Park in addition to the shark?
1: So we're about to launch what we call the shark pod, which is the mothership of a number of sharks. So if you could imagine our way sharks at the moment all act independently of each other. We're just building a docking station, which we call the shark pod. And that is going to take five different sharks at the same time. And they're going to be able to swim around, do their own thing, come back to that shark pod, deposit all that waste. So no baskets that you have to lift up. It's got a flashing system on it. So it's autonomized. I don't know if that's a word, but it'll come into the docking station, flash it the rubbish that it's caught, recharge wirelessly, and then go and sit in a little kennel or a doghouse, ready to be deployed again. And this is a floating platform. So we're quite excited about it because it really makes a whole solution into an autonomy space that it gives you a cleaning solution for water 24 hours a day. 365 days a year um, yeah it takes the it takes a human element of thinking out of it and, and it's a really cool piece of tech that we're kind of deploying
0: this year how cool is that going to be see that in operation wow Absolutely. we're
1: really really excited about it
0: as someone who you said you didn't really have that much of a background in robotics what did you learn about robotics and in general technology working with the waste shark
1: It's a great question. I I had to learn how to program a robot. And I learned that off YouTube. Like I literally had no idea how to make my phone make a robot work. You know, So I had to find out how the code works. Um, I originally used Bluetooth and then Wi-Fi and have two different systems talking to each other and interacting with each other and be reliable. And a lot of that coding was self-taught from just watching YouTube videos and understanding how to wire things together properly. Obviously, as we built ourselves up, we've got people who have studied this stuff for years. But for me, it was quite fascinating to, to just see how the, just the basic brain works of a remote control or a robotic system.
0: Coding. A lot of people hear that word and they go, ah. Yeah. But how would you describe coding for somebody that's a little intimidated by it or has never done it?
1: I think it's the language used to make a robot work in this particular case. And it's it's learning another language. So it really is sort of what makes a robot go left, what makes a robot go right, what makes a robot do something when it encounters an obstacle. And talking to that robot, literally typing it in, communicating that information to tell the robot what it has to do next when it encounters something. So it really is like learning a new language. It's all typed, so not spoken. But if you if you think of learning French or Spanish, or the, you know, it, it's learning the concepts to be able to communicate. And that's pretty much how I, I saw it to understand it.
0: I really like that because it's not that scary to know how to speak French, for example. And if you think you're speaking robot, that suddenly takes a lot of the work.
1: That's exactly it.
0: You make it seem easy. Oh, a robot that works autonomously in water. But what are some of the challenges when you're going to have to put that drone in the water?
1: I think we thought we'd chosen the easiest route ever because, you know, there's flying drones and there's autonomous cars and they've got to navigate and, you know, fly in the air and land. So we thought we'd taken the easier route, but actually when you start deploying a vessel in water, you have the road itself, which is the water, and that moves in a river or in a tidal situation, so you're never static. Then you've got the waves that bounce you around, then you've got the wind that take you off course, then you've got communications out at sea where you know you have to be connected the whole time for it to be making decisions. So I think the complexity came in, in that side of things. It sounds very easy going from point A to point B, but when there is all these forces acting on you in between those points, it's very difficult to keep that craft on track autonomously. So we had a lot of problems solving those problems. And then simple things like, you know, we use propellers on our thrusters on our way shocks. And normally you just have these propellers that propel you like a normal boat, but we're going into debris. You know, normally a boat would avoid a debris area or like an area with a lot of stuff in it. Our purpose is to go into that. So we had to work out how we build guards around those propellers that would still give us the same amount of thrust, but at the same time not have any string or balloons or, you know, plastic fouling up those propellers. So some of it was software complexity and some of it was actual hardware complexity that we didn't think we'd have to solve, but probably spent a year trying to figure out, you know.
0: It wouldn't have occurred to me to think about weather, but of course you're going to run into that as well. And you probably had quite a bit of considerations of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, simple things like waves, you know, like, you know, you go up on a wave and it takes you somewhere else. And now you've got to try and get back on track again, but you know, another wave is coming along. So all those things have to be accounted for in the software.
0: I didn't want to forget to mention that not only are we seeing what that robot sees, but it's going to give us information about the water as well. What's it going to communicate about the water?
1: Right. So this is this a sort of data site where we collect water quality data out of the water as well. So it could be as simple as the depth of the water, the temperature of the water, or a bit more complicated, like what nitrates are in the water? Is there any toxins in the water? How clear is the water? Is there enough dissolved oxygen in the water? Is there, is there all these parameters that we're measuring all the time? And it varies from client to client. But the idea with that is that once we start understanding what's in the water and you mentioned weather, let's say that with an algal bloom that we also try and clean up as well, that in the future, I hope to be able to say, well, we know we've got five days of sunshine and it's you know X amount of heat. And we know that there are going to be algae blooms in a particular area because we've seen that before from the data that we've collected. And now we can predict where those algae blooms are going to happen and send drones in beforehand before those blooms become too difficult to deal with. So we're collecting data at the moment and that'll be legacy data, but we want to use that data in the future to be able to mitigate any potential sort of bloom or or challenge that might present itself so at the moment it's cool data to have in the future it'll be cool data to use
0: you'll have a preventive aqua drone is what i just (laughs) want you to say exactly Exactly. cool is that most people listening are not going to make a water navigating drone but they will have brilliant ideas with your mom saying well you better get going what were the steps? What did you have to do from that point of, well, someday I'll do it to, yeah, this is happening?
1: I think the ideas are great and people do have them all the time. I have a thousand different ideas every day. I think, you know, if I had to listen to all of them, I would do none of them because I would just be so, you know, preoccupied with trying to solve all those problems. I think that the first step with an idea is action. And that's all it is. You know, it can be, and this is a complex thing that we've done, but the simple start was, okay, can I build a prototype? And that was action. So if you're being in action, you're doing something towards making that idea into something. And that's what I've done with my process here is that just be in action. Because if you're doing that, your idea might fail. And that's fine. But at least you know why it failed. Because there are a thousand people who will tell you why your idea will fail. And believe me, on a daily basis, I still get that. But we're here five years later with customers. You know, We've proven that if not, it hasn't failed. It works really well. There are a lot of people who tell you why it won't work. If you're not in action, you won't discover why it will work. And I think that's something that is useful for me anyway, and I hope it's useful to others as well.
0: That sounds like wonderful guidance whether people are making a robot, planning a lesson, maybe they're writing a song, anything of that nature.
1: Absolutely. It works for absolutely everything. Yeah.
0: I'm going to brag on you. You got an award at CES. Yeah. What was that?
1: We were given an honorary award. CS in drone and autonomous vessels, which was really exciting for a team that is here in Rotterdam in the Netherlands. You know, to be to be acknowledged by something as I mean, CES is quite, C is one of the big sort of players as far as technology goes. And that's where the, the big players go to display their technology, the Teslas and the Facebooks and the Amazons and all that kind of thing. You know, so for us to receive an award from that technology expert was huge for us. And it's exciting. It kind of, it validates what we're trying to do here when we're stuck on our keyboards and programming these things. There's other people looking at us and going, you know what, you're doing a great job and you represent yourself really well.
0: When did you find out
1: about the award? We found out about a month before we went, but we weren't allowed to say anything. It was all embargoed, which was quite, you know, you you maybe I told my (laughs) mum because I think think she deserved to know. But we weren't allowed to tell other people. And that was quite difficult for us. So it was nice to get to the show, get the award and be able to then you know, tell the world.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, but are you also working on something that's going to be getting oil out of the water right now?
1: The oil shark. Yeah, we like the name shark here yeah, a lot. So the oil shark is something we've been working on for the last couple of years, where we take the same platform that we use for the. Uh, the shark. we're developing a filtration system. So it's mainly for first response vessels that go in and want to do small incidental cleanups of of oil that happen in marinas and and harbors and ports where some oil or marine fuel has been spilt. And to be able to filtrate that out without having to collect a ton of water, we've got a technique that only collects the oil off as well. So we're quite excited about that because I think that's another area of pollution that we can start sort of having an impact on.
0: And is there a timeline yet when this will come out or...
1: Yeah, it, we're hoping by the middle of this year that it'll be sort of a workable product that we can start sort of putting into the market.
0: And I also jotted down Mega Shark. Is there going to be something by that name?
1: There is indeed. So the Mega Shark is just a big version of Way Shark, but a four meter by two meter, so a very big coffee table. And that really is for clearing our biomass and doing larger sort of larger debris clearing after floods or maybe a port's got a more Marine little problem than some small areas. It's been something our customers have asked for, and we're quite excited to introduce that. It's been tested in India at the moment, which is quite interesting for us as well. But it should be ready by the end of this month to show off to the world. So we're quite excited. That's a bit of an exclusive on your side because we haven't told anybody anybody about that. But yeah, we should have pictures of that in action, video of that in action by the end of this month,
0: and it's looking good. We're excited about it. How exciting! People heard it here first on overcom You did, did indeed. Yeah. What's been one of your proudest moments or one of your best experiences with the Waste Shark?
1: There's so many along the way because as high as the highs are, the lows are equally as low when you're trying to solve these problems. So I think CES was definitely a highlight for me because we brought our technology to a huge technology space and, and, and we're rewarded for that. But I think it's the little things that we solve. It sounds so stupid, but finally figuring out how to keep the trash inside a basket while you're going forward and stopping and you know, it might not sound big to anybody else, but, you know, for years we were going along and stopping and all the trash would come out, you know, and that's not a product. And it took us ages to find a way to solve it without using more mechanics, more mechatronics, you know, but just solving it very simply. So little things like that are big wins for me because, you know, it's a product upgrade. We solved the problem that's been in our, you know, problem field for six months, seven months. So those things are quite exciting. I think the growth of the company And not necessarily on the revenue side, but but just the growth of the people that we've employed. We get some amazing engineers who don't have to work for us. They could work for huge companies and get paid a lot more, but they're excited to work on a robot that solves a real problem in our world at the moment. And I find that quite
0: rewarding. That sounds fantastic, actually. I don't want to forget to also mention where people can find out more about the waste shark, the oil shark, the mega shark, and anything else you may be introducing in the future. Where do they find out more?
1: All things shark can be found at ranmarine.io. That's where we house all of our stuff. And we also have a YouTube channel under ranmarine as well.
0: Ranmarine.io and look for the Ranmarine YouTube channel. Finally, Richard, if people can only get one thing from you about innovation, creativity and making a difference, what would you like them to take away from you?
1: I think it's going back to what I was saying earlier. There are a thousand people who tell you things won't work. Until you prove it to yourself and you're in action and trying to make that innovation work, you can only prove it to yourself. There'll be plenty of people who will tell you you can't do it. You're the only person that can do it. Push on through, that's all I have to say. You'll fail, you'll fall, you'll get up and you'll just keep going.
0: Richard, thank you for your time today. Thank
1: you, I really appreciate your time as well.
0: You and I have been listening to Richard Hardiman, founder and CEO of Netherlands-based startup Rand Marine Technology and creator of the Waste Shark autonomous drone. Find out more about the Waste Shark and the other technologies Ranmarine has created to protect the waters across our planet at ranmarine.io. That's ranmarine.io. And that concludes this edition of Over Coffee. Thank you for listening. Listen to more Over Coffee podcasts at twomavericks.com. That's two, T-W-O, mavericks. M-A-V-E-R-I-X. And you can contact us at 2mavericks at gmail.com. The music you're hearing is royalty-free production music provided by Pond5 at pond5.com. I'm Dot Cannon. Here's wishing you a cappuccino day.